All right, welcome back to the emergency goalies. And as we kind of figured, the Patrick Kane trade happened, but we will talk about that in a second. But we will do a quick rundown of the week's games. And week started out pretty good for the Blackhawks. A couple more wins as they kind of were continuing, I guess you could call it an unlikely run of success, probably boosted by the drama around Patrick Kane and they um they won a couple but then I think you could say maybe the accumulation of all the trades that were made this week kind of wore them down but back-to-back uh, -back losses to the Ducks and Coyotes which were I guess you could say important tank losses but um I'd ask you it seems like now we're into the real downturn for the Blackhawks yeah, I think we've been warning folks all year that post-trade deadline, the Blackhawks were going to be awful. And I think we've started to see an indication of just what that's going to be like the last couple of games here. Um, but yeah, like you said, they, they started off the week uh, kind of continuing to ride that high that they had um, from the previous homestand with the big send off for Kane and um they followed that up with you know that win in Dallas and then they traveled to California Kane met with his agent and rather than um him playing Saturday night uh you know he traveled back to Chicago while they finalized the Rangers deal and the you know even in his absence the Blackhawks you know went out and played a pretty good team or I shouldn't say played a good team. They played a good game against a bad team mm -hmm. and uh, won. And I think at that point uh, it marked, I, I think they were five and zero without Kane um, during the course of the year up until that point. Um, but in those instances, it, it was all, Oh, you know, we need to step up in the absence of Kane, you know, sort of, sort of mentality. And then, I think as the reality set in that he was going to be gone and that Lafferty and McCabe and them were going to be following and just kind of the, the, the malaise over it and the, the, the realization of what's ahead of them over the last couple of months here. Um, they, they went out in, in uh, Anaheim and Arizona and wasn't a lot of energy for most of those games. Um, they, they, they did, decently against Anaheim. Um, they kind of ran out of steam, it seemed like, as the game went along, but they they held up fairly well early on. Uh, but the Arizona game uh, was not was not pretty. And, uh, yeah, I would expect quite a few more of those type of games. Uh, it's it's going to be tough to score from here on out. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it, it's been tough to score all year, but it's going to be even worse. Now. Yeah, yeah. But we'll get to the... Um... Obviously, the big story is Patrick Kane was traded to the Rangers. I mean, everyone was pretty sure for about like four to five days. I mean, we even talked about it a little bit on the last podcast that it seemed pretty clear the Rangers were the team. But, I mean, obviously, this is one of those things where the um, more casual fans that maybe weren't as locked in this season were kind of like, outraged by like the lack of a return for Kane, but 
obviously we've seen the whole season and this bit about what we thought the return would be. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, one of those things where if Kane had, um, you know, given them a list of a couple of teams that he would have been willing to go to, I do think they could have pulled a guaranteed first round pick out of it um, and maybe a slightly better return overall. But with the situation of basically being Rangers or nothing, um, you know, it, it severely hampered the Blackhawks trade leverage and, um, you know, frankly, in the, you know, in the situation that they were in, I actually feel like they got pretty decent value. Um, it's very similar to the trade return that they got for Marc-Andre Fleury last year, which is, you know, kind of similar circumstances of a well-respected future Hall of Famer with limited to, well, with Fleury, it was, you know, there was kind of a couple of teams that were after him, but um Flurry kind of had preferences on where he would go. Um, whereas Kane, you know, it was just the one team. But yeah, you know, just you get what you can. And I'm just glad that they got at least the opportunity for a sec or for a first round pick if the Rangers make it to the uh Eastern Conference Finals, which is the same condition that we had on the the Flurry pick last year. So um yeah, you know, we get to be Rangers fans for a few months here and uh hopefully that uh condition will kick in and help improve the return yep and then i guess we can see um kane and panarin playing together although i doubt they'll be on the same line but on the uh, same at least not so far uh tonight i didn't actually see if kane was playing but i know i i did see it uh, a, a goal by the Rangers and Tarasenko and Panarin playing together. So I don't know if Kane's just on a different line tonight or what, or if he's not playing at all. I'm not sure, but um, I was going to probably tune into that game for the, for the latter half of it after we're done recording. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I just, obviously this is, he was a big part of the team for a long time. And I mean, we can get into there, you know, we won't get into that, but. Obviously, we talked in the past, like, somewhat of a mixed legacy, but, you know, still a big part of the team. It just, it's really an end of an era. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the on-ice legacy is uh, not in dispute at, at all. So, um, and, you know, I mean, that's the the thing that 99% of fans um, latch on to and, um, you know, obviously Kane's going to be missed for his on ice contributions. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's not in dispute. And, um, you know, all of the memories that, uh, uh, from the championship runs, Kane was, you know, a huge part of basically every single one of them. Um, you know, there were uh, a, a few, a few spots here and there where, you know, Hosa had his moment or Keith had his moment or Taves or whoever, but, um, it seemed like 75% of, of those big moments, Kane was involved in some, in some way, shape or form. So, yeah, I mean, they're and now you Kane, know Kane and the Hawks are going to be intrinsically tied together in people's minds for a very, very long time. For sure. And now I'm thinking about, I mean, we're down the tapes and the only one left from the championship teams 
Yep. And his status is very much in doubt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I do still think we will see Taves play at least one game at the end of the season. You know, whether his health allows him to continue his career or not, um, I think it's doubtful that he will be back with the Blackhawks next year. Um, so as long as playing one game wouldn't be detrimental to his, you know, overall long-term health, I can't imagine he couldn't, uh, um, scrape up the energy to play, to play once more. So, um, my expectation is we do, we do see him, um, before the end of the year, but, um, you know, obviously the hope would be that he gets healthy enough to play several games or several weeks worth of games even, but, um, you know, it's still too, uh, it's still uh, TBD at this point. But basically then next year it'll be a new, no one left from those championship teams. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of next year, I mean, honestly, there's going to be nobody from the beginning of last year either, other than Seth Jones and potentially Connor Murphy. I mean, those are literally the only two um, current roster players that are signed beyond um, the end of next year. So yeah, it's, this is a complete roster teardown and turnover. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not like the Kings or the Penguins or some of the other, or the Bruins, you know, some of the other um, dominant teams of that era, along with the Blackhawks, um, where you still got, you know, one or two or three or even four guys in some cases from uh, from those cores that are still kind of hanging around. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be a clean slate with the Blackhawks here. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting how they start building this back up. Um, but... You know, at least we can say we've got a pretty full cupboard of draft picks to help help um, with that rather large task. Yep, they have the opportunity now. It's just the execution, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like I said, it's a clean slate, and you know the there's a, a decent prospect pipeline at this point, but even what they have is still fairly far away. So this is going to take a long time to rebuild and the draft picks will turn into prospects over a couple of years. And then those prospects can hopefully turn into NHL players in a couple of years after that. So, um, you know, we've been talking about this as a five-year process and, you know, we're one year into it. Now, if the, you know, lottery balls will cooperate and we could get Connor Bedard, then maybe that could speed things up. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, um, any elite player um, certainly moves the needle for you. Um, but I, with the way that the Blackhawks have stripped down their forward core, it will take, even with Bedard, it's going to take years. So, um, but, you know, getting somebody like that would at least add excitement. Um, you know, we're not going to have any type of highly skilled player like you know, that we're going to be watching here the rest of this year. And if we don't land Bedard or Fantilli, we potentially won't have anybody like that next year either. So um, that I think is the, the the biggest thing is just injecting a little bit of excitement for the fan base. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for 
say the Blackhawks, if you want to sell tickets. Exactly. Rough, rough sell next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can get Bedard or even Fantilli, I think uh, I think they'll have something they can push. Um, but but uh, yeah, without without that, uh, I think next year is going to be pretty rough um, from an attendance standpoint and just buzz standpoint. But um, you know, if they don't win the lottery this year, maybe they win it next year and. You know, maybe that jump starts it. Um, I do think at the end of next year, regardless of lottery outcomes, they will have to start spending money um, and bringing in free agents and trying to build it back up a little bit. The teardown part will be over and they'll they'll have to start building again. So, yeah. And I guess we can talk about the other two trades real quick. The, um, Lafferty McCabe and Jack Johnson moves. So I don't know if you're talking. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Jack Johnson trade, it it, it is what it is. That's it, I think is it was as much a favor for Jack Johnson as it was anything. Um sent him back to a familiar team that knows exactly what they're getting in him. I they obviously had success together last year. So for just depth, not the or you think he'll play for them? Uh, I, I mean, it sounded like he already played a like a significant number of minutes in his first game back there. I, I want to say he he played like over twenty minutes. So they, they've acquired him to play him. Uh, from what it seems like now, I'm not sure what their injury situation is on the blue line. I can't remember if Bowen Byram is out right now. It must be something. Uh, yeah, uh, my assumption would be when they get everybody healthy, at best he's going to be their sixth but maybe even gets pushed out of the top six, but at least for now they're playing him. So, um, I mean, good for Jack Johnson that he gets to go back to a contender, even if it's not the same type of contender, even though it's the same situation as, as last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, the guy that the Blackhawks got Andreas England is uh, essentially roster filler. I mean, he's, he's probably actually better than Jack Johnson. If I'm being honest, um, it's hard to be worse sort of thing. Um, but he's also a pending free agent and I just, I, I find it hard to believe that they'll bring him back, but you know, we'll see, maybe he makes a good enough impression that, uh, they, they bring him back on a, on a relatively cheap deal. Yeah. Cause I am, I was very surprised that he would, someone actually wanted to trade for him. So. Uh, you know, honestly, I, uh, I did expect that somebody would. I am a little surprised that somebody acquired him to actually play him. Um, I, Jack Johnson does have a sterling reputation for being a good locker room guy. And with the arms race that's been happening all across the league to build up their teams, um, having somebody like Jack Johnson as your seventh or eighth defenseman going into the playoffs as a break glass in case emergency, he can still PK a little bit, do a few things for you if you shelter him pretty, pretty highly. But, um, you know, and in, in, in the interim, he can, you know, be a, a veteran presence for you, uh, you know, in practice, keep things loose and, 
all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm not surprised somebody picked him up. I'm just, yeah, I, at this point, I, I didn't think he would go and play tonight sort of thing. But hey, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, and then the other trade, obviously, is a, a larger scale with McCabe and Lafferty going to Toronto. Um, Blackhawks managed to pull a first round pick out of that, like they were hoping for McCabe. And they also managed to get a second round pick, which is kind of what they were hoping to get for Lafferty. Uh, those picks are fairly far down the road with the first coming in 2025 and the second coming in 2026. Which we talked about with, you have to stagger because there's only so many picks per year. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I actually saw something on Twitter not too long before we started recording where this is like the highest number of first round picks that have ever been dealt at a trade deadline. And we're not even at the trade deadline yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say like eight, 20 uh, like eight first round picks have already been been moved and there's just there's only so many to go around and i think one of the things that kind of hurt the blackhawks uh trade leverage with mccabe in particular is that both washington and nashville um decided to pull the plug on their season a little bit um after trying to contend for the playoffs most of the season um just kind of in the last week um, both of those teams decided they were going to sell, and they both had a left-handed defenseman who are who is better than than, than uh, Jake McCabe. So um, there wasn't yeah, quite the uh, bidding war for McCabe that I think the Blackhawks were hoping. They kind of got hurt too, in a similar vein, a little earlier in the year that the Blues also bailed on the year. So there's a few things that they didn't expect. Yeah, I mean that you know that obviously impacted the the Patrick Kane situation with the Blues trading Tarasenko so early. Um, so yeah, you know had had the Blues season not uh, you know gone the way that a lot of people expected, um, yeah, the Blackhawks probably could have gotten a little bit more for Kane, and then yeah, um, you know I, I I don't know that the the actual return would have been that much better for McCabe and Lafferty. I think what you, you you probably could have gotten picks closer to 2023 and 2024 um, rather than having to wait, you know, three years for, for those picks to come to fruition. That sounds kind of silly, but the impact of losing, even though Jack Johnson wasn't good, but especially losing McCabe, that really could weaken the defense. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, he has been far and away their best defenseman all season. Um, I mean, Seth, jo- Seth Jones had like a good 10-game run um, where, you know, you could argue he was playing just as well as McCabe, but consistency throughout the season, uh, McCabe's been ahead of all of them. Uh, he's been their best guy in the, de- in the defensive zone, and he's been – probably their best guy at making a first pass out of the zone as well. So um, even though he doesn't contribute that many points, uh, he did help them get out of the zone a little better than the other five defensemen on the team. So that is definitely going to impact the Blackhawks already limited offensive ability. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a, a blow 
And I think that'll actually be felt just as much as Patrick Kane. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, at this point, you've got Seth Jones, and then you've got a bunch of five, six, seven defensemen, um, and they're just going to have to patchwork it. So, so I guess I'll ask you one more. Do you think there'll be any more Domi or Anthony Sioux, any more trades, or you think Blackhawks are done? I know they want to move those guys. I don't know that they're going to get good enough offers where it'll where they will bother. I do think the Blackhawks are interested in bringing both of those guys back um, for next year, whether they trade them or not. I mean, that that's one of those things that gets talked about a lot of, oh, we can trade this guy and then we'll re-sign him in the summer. It very rarely happens. Um, but I do think in both of these cases, it's, it's quite possible because um, neither of those guys really – bit well on contenders they've had multiple opportunities with good teams over the last five years and never really grabbed a hold of of a of a job with any of them and at this point if they want to get top six minutes they're going to have to play for a team like the blackhawks and i think both of those guys accept the situation and don't let it drag their attitude down and so they're they are good people to fill the Blackhawks top six while they wait for their incoming batch of, you know, draft picks and prospects to eventually push those guys out. So. And like you were uh, saying, they have to give money to somebody. They they absolutely have to give money to somebody. Yeah. They are currently $20 million below the cap floor next year. Um, so they've got to figure out a way to add at least 20 million, they probably got to add closer to 25 million so that you have a little bit of breathing room so that you can trade guys at the trade deadline. Because if you're just barely above the floor, you would have, uh, you'd kind of have the opposite problem of the guys of the teams at the cap ceiling of you'd have to bring in just as much money as you send out. So you got to have that breathing room. So yeah, I, not only do I think Domi and Athanasio could be back, but I think they could be back with maybe even significant raises. <laughs> As I say, you'd have to almost take on another big contract if you traded somebody out in that situation. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I do think it's possible that if all that the Blackhawks get in offers for those guys are like fourth or fifth round picks or even less than that, um, the Blackhawks might just approach them about, hey, let's, you know, why don't you just stay and we'll give you an extension for a year or two and, you know, take yeah, that sure. route as opposed to, you know, I because it's, it's also one of those things where the Blackhawks have so many premium draft picks coming up over the next three years that the fourth and the fifth rounders and that sort of thing that they might be able to accumulate for some of these other assets are not actually all that valuable because you can only make so many picks and still sign those players and, and stay under the 50 contract limit. Yeah, you have more players than you have spaces. Exactly, exactly. So th- that's one of the silver lining to like the McCabe deal of getting those picks down the road 
you know, your, your preference is always to get them sooner than later. But if you have to take the later ones, especially in the situation where the Blackhawks have where they've got so many picks, getting that staggering in some ways does help you with that. So, um, so but yeah. If they get to the track, get past the deadline and keep those guys, you would expect a, um, the extension pretty quickly after. I mean, you be, they wouldn't have to extend them right away, but I, I think they would at least, you know, start down that path. I, I don't think you'd have to actually um, get them to sign on a dotted line right away. Um, you could still let them explore free agency if they if they wanted, but um, yeah, I, I that that that's at least my expectation. But you know, even if they do get a, a, a decent offer for somebody like Domi, you know, if somebody offers like a third round pick or something, I think Blackhawks would absolutely trade him. Mm-hmm. And even under those circumstances, like I said, I think that they would try to re-sign him at the end of uh, you know ne- during the summer. Okay. So. We'll see. But yeah, other than that, um, you know, I, I, I could see a situation where somebody would want um, Taylor Radish, um, given his very low cap hit. I don't know that anybody would give up a significant amount for him, or at least not enough uh, for the Blackhawks to um, seriously consider trading him. I, I, I Again, I think they would want like a second or a third round pick um, in order to entertain it. Um, but you know, we've seen with teams like Tampa Bay, when you're up against the cap and if you identify as a specific player for a specific role and Radish does have a very low cap hit below the entry level contract amount for next season as well. So a team that would be interested would get, get him for, for two playoff runs at, you know, at such a low cap hit. So it's possible, but all right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, expecting it. Okay. So I guess now we'll do a little preview. Although it's not going to be pretty the rest of the way, but we're still going to cover these. So yeah, um, we do get back into the United Center for the next week. Um, so I'm sure the the players will appreciate that. Um, maybe that gives them a little bit of a boost coming off of the lull that we've had the last couple of games. Uh, but the competition level increases a little bit. Um, you've got first place Dallas coming in tomorrow night. And uh, you do have the Nashville Predators on Saturday, which, um, you know, they've obviously taken a hit in talent the last couple of days. So that's, that'll probably be a fairly... Um, fair matchup with the Blackhawks uh, potentially being able to win that one. Um, and then you follow up with Ottawa, who, you know, isn't significantly better than the Blackhawks, but they are better and they just got even more better um, about an hour ago when they traded for Jacob Chikrin. So, um, yeah, uh, that, that's uh, three not easy games. And then um, next Wednesday, they go back on the road and the first game will be up against Detroit, who didn't really buy or sell much at the trade deadline. Um, yeah, they, they've, they've kind of, um, I, I think they did deal one of their defensemen, if I remember correctly, but um, they did just re-sign Dylan Larkin to a very long extension. So 
they're they're still trying to build up um and but again they're kind of like ottawa they're they're not a great team but they're they're better than the blackhawks so all right well we got to keep going there's yeah 20 games left to to it's going to be a grind but hopefully you know even as the losses mount up we can still find some silver linings here or there all right well Michael, you're on Twitter. MJ underscore Ernst. And STH85. And you can get the podcast on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify. And get, we'll be back and completely past the trade deadline next time we're on. And we'll see what uh, team they have left to work with.